So Money episode 1281, Ask Farnoosh. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Welcome to So Money, everybody. I'm Farnoosh Tarabi. It's Friday's Ask Farnoosh, Friday, November 19th, 2021. Hope you're all uh, looking forward to the weekend. I am taking off work all of next week. Uh, That also includes this podcast, but don't worry, there will still be episodes airing on Monday and Wednesday and Friday. We're going to Instead of new interviews, we will have some oldies but goodies, the ones that have been performing pretty well this year that are worth a replay. My parents are in town. My Persian mom and Persian dad have flown all the way from California to be with us for Thanksgiving. We are switching traditions. Last year, too, we also switched traditions. They This is their second year visiting us in New Jersey. Normally, every Thanksgiving, my brother and I fly out west to hang out with my parents, but... You know, I think it's time to make some new traditions. COVID upended a lot of things. And uh, I hope I never have to go back to (laughs) San Francisco on a Thanksgiving week with two kids ever again. It's just not fun traveling uh, during the Thanksgiving week with uh, with young ones and even just solo, you know, all that traffic delays we've experienced. So very grateful that my parents can fly here and see us. It's been a crazy week though. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie. If you ever wonder how does Farnoosh do it all? I don't. So today's Friday. Uh, on Thursday, yesterday, I completely missed my son's bus drop off. I didn't remember that it was an early dismissal, which means that that's an early bus drop off. And I was in New York City. (laughs) Yeah. And I got a phone call um, from his school saying, uh, don't worry. They always start the call with, don't worry, mom, everything's okay. We have Evan. I was like, of course you have Evan. He's at school. (laughs) No, they have Evan because they attempted to drop him off at his bus stop. Nobody was there. So they circled the neighborhood, finished their drop-offs and took him back to the school. And now they're calling me to come pick him up at the school. Well, I'm in New York. So I said, oh, hang tight. I will get his dad there pronto. And this is my worst nightmare. I mean, not really my worst nightmare, but, but we've all been that kid that mom and dad maybe once forgot to pick you up or maybe more than once. And you never forget that moment. And you are scared because you're not sure if your parents are okay, or if they're just forgetful. And Evan had that fear. I mean, the teacher said that he was crying and, oh gosh, I just told my husband, I was like, just get him like ice cream or donuts or whatever he wants on the way home, which then I thought, am I ruining his relationship with food? Like he's just going to think of (laughs) comfort food when he's, when he's sad. Uh, I don't care. You know, it is what it is. He's fine. He's fine. I think it's more me. Uh, I think about all the times I was forgotten um, to be picked up and life goes on. It, it makes you who you are. But that was something that I was trying to avoid all year. And we even knew that it was early dismissal a few days ago, but we just forgot on the day of. And it, it was just, it was embarrassing. It was a lot of things, but that's number one. Number two, our gas fireplace would not shut off the other night. It was midnight. I went to go turn it off before bed and I couldn't with the remote. 
and it was way too hot to go in there manually and try to like remove the screen and turn off the gas. So I called the fire department. (laughs) I just didn't know what else to do. Couldn't leave it on all night. It's not safe. And the glass was you know, it would have been like a, a second degree burn if I had touched it. And plus it's like flaming fire. So uh, the fire department came and a huge fire truck landed outside my house. I told them it wasn't an emergency emergency, but like, please come over now. And they came over and uh, the same fireman who came maybe four months ago to my house because um, I was cooking stir fry and the smoke alarm went off. And, um, the smoke alarm is uh, connected to our, to our security system. Long story short, I forgot the secret password when I was on the phone with the security company to tell them like, it's just a false alarm. And they, and then I remembered it and they're like, it's too late, ma'am. The fire department's on its way. (laughs) So then I had to tell the fire department when it came with its three engines that I was just cooking and, uh, forgot my password. So the same fireman came to our house for this gas fireplace incident. And I'm pretty sure that the third time when I actually have a real fire, he's not going to show up. Nevertheless, we'll be donating a generous amount of money to the Montclair Fire Department this year. Also this morning, I forgot that it was my daughter's Thanksgiving feast at her school. I just thought Thanksgiving was like three months away. I just didn't realize. Anyway, um, I had promised to bring the applesauce. That was the problem. And I, I remembered this uh, around 11 p.m. the night before, and I was too tired to go out to like a 24-7 grocery store. So I woke up really early on Friday morning and in my pajamas, went to the grocery store and got a ton of applesauce. And uh, that's how I started my morning. Where were we? Oh yes, this podcast. I think now you know why I might want to run some reruns next week. It's been it's been fun. If you miss any of our episodes this week, I would implore you to check them out. Uh, on Wednesday, we had on Cindy Zuniga Sanchez. She is the founder of Zero Based Budget, which has fast grown into this huge platform, helping women get out of debt, make more money, save, invest, all of it. Cindy herself has an incredible story where in 2015, she graduates from law school with over $200,000 worth of debt and then sets off to get rid of it in 48 months. On Monday, I aired a live podcast that I'd recorded at Saks Work, which is this really beautiful space in partnership with Saks. It's a co-working space. The one that we were at, the location was in Brookfield Place in Battery Park, New York City. Rachel Sklar, my friend and former guest on the podcast, is now the head of programming there. So she invited me to come talk about my new calendar, my so many calendar, my advice for 2020, but we got into so much more, like how we were raised, learning about money, kids and money. We talked about the wealth gap. We got into it and there was a live audience, which made it even more exciting. And I hope to do more of these in the new year, these intimate gatherings. Um, But so please check it out. And by the way, speaking of the So Money Page a Day calendar, if you haven't gotten yours yet and yours along with all of your friends, uh, there's a new promotion that we're running on just until the end of this month. So I was normally saying, go to workman.com, type in So Money, get 20% off your order. 
and that's still valid. But in addition to that, for orders that are over $20, you'll get 30% off and free shipping. Use the code CYBER2021. That's one word, CYBER2021. Through November 30th, you'll get 30% off and free shipping on orders that are over $20. The website is workman.com and just type in the so money calendar and it'll pop right up. You can even just Google like workman, so money calendar, it'll pop right up. If you're not in the States and you want to order this, then the next best site would be Amazon. Unfortunately, no discount there from workman, but maybe Amazon has Cyber Monday specials. I don't know. I've done all my Christmas shopping (laughs) because supply chain, it's serious, but not with my calendar. Just saying. All right, this week's questions are a lot of them are about real estate and it's timely. There was a huge cover story, New York Times Magazine cover story last weekend about the future of real estate. And I think the caption was something like, will the frenzy ever end? Or is this just like the new normal now where a home gets 29 bids? I I don't know. I think that the supply has a lot to do with it or the lack of supply has a lot to do with it. And nevertheless, it's such a fascinating story what's happening with real estate, right? Whether you're a buyer or a renter, it's just interesting to watch. If you're participating right now, you know, we would have thought that by now things would have cooled down a little bit, maybe tapered off, but it seems like in a lot of markets, it is still not so. So Godspeed to everybody who's trying to buy a home right now. It can't be that fun. All right, let's hit the mailbag. First up, we have someone who writes in who is a first time divorcee. And here's her question. It concerns what to do with the home that they share. This listener says, hey, Farnoosh, I've been listening to your show for about five years and I've learned a ton. I actually have an emergency fund saved up now and I've accumulated $25,000 in my 401k in that time. Thanks to you. What? I don't believe it. I mean, I believe it, but I don't believe I was the sole person to, (laughs) I don't, I don't take full responsibility for this. I'm sure you're quite an amazing person and have so much willpower. Congrats on this. It's amazing. Here's her question. I'm thinking about refinancing to keep my home after a divorce. My soon-to-be ex-husband and I bought a house together last year. His parents gifted us about $50,000 as a down payment. We have two kids, and I've been the sole breadwinner for the past two years. He doesn't want the house. I, on the other hand, would like to keep it, but need to know how to reimburse him for the down payment and the equity. And I know this is a whole other topic of how much I actually owe him, but I personally want to repay the entire amount regardless of what a divorce lawyer might think. And then I want to refinance the place for myself. Here are the numbers. And she goes on to give me numbers, purchase price, about $287,000. The down payment was 50,000. The loan, the mortgage is about 240 grand. And it's worth, according to Zillow, the home is worth about $300,000. So theoretically, it could earn a roughly 60 grand if they sold it. After they pay off the loan, they'd be left with 60 grand. She says, we don't have any other major debt. We have about $5,000 due on one of our cars. There is no major way to reduce or offset the money that I would owe him for 
the down payment. She says, it's probably crazy for me to try to keep the house, but I'm comfortable there and the kids are happy. So I'm willing to dig a little deeper to make this work. I make about $105,000 a year. I have read about cash out refinancing, but the numbers I have seen in online calculators don't come close to the amount that I would need to repay him. All right. So I have never been through a divorce. I know people who have, and when there's a home involved, the best thing to do for them has been to refinance the house. Like you said, obviously you're going to have to get his name off of the mortgage. I'm sure he's going to want that. If he doesn't want to be in the home, he doesn't want to also be on the hook for the mortgage. So you have to come up with an agreement. Now, refinancing will do a number of things. It will help to get his name off of the loan. You basically refinance. You are going to be the sole borrower on this mortgage. If you're already pretty much paying all the bills as the breadwinner or most of the bills, or at least this mortgage, it should not be a problem, but you will have to re-underwrite this loan given that you're going to be the sole borrower on the mortgage. I'm confident that you should be able to get the mortgage that you want, considering that the home is also appreciated quite nicely in value. A cash out refinance, you bring this up uh, just for listeners. What is this? This is where you take out a new home loan for more money than what you owe on your current loan. And then you get the difference in cash. So right now your home is worth about $300,000, but you owe only about $240,000. You have about $60,000 in equity. With a cash out refi, you could receive a portion of this equity in cash. Um, let's say if you wanted to take out $20,000 in cash, that would get added to the principal of your new home loan. The question becomes, what's going to be a fair settlement for you and your husband over this home where he feels kind of made whole by walking away from this home, knowing that he's not going to be able to benefit from the sale down the road whatever equity you build in this home from here on out, you go to sell, that's yours. That's your money. That's your profit. For now though, what has he put into the home? You could argue the down payment, that 50 grand, which actually came from his parents and it was a gift to the both of you. So I would say that you're entitled to half of that and he the other half. So you could say, look, I'll give you $25,000 plus some extra for whatever else he may have put into the home, the sweat equity, so to speak. Out of the $60,000, that the home is appreciated, has he contributed to some of that? Um, and and there may not be a hard and fast number there. This could, this is a very gray area, which is why it's important to talk to your husband, your soon to be ex, and say what would you feel is fair. I want to stay in the home. You don't. I'm happy to take on the mortgage by refinancing, but I want to make sure that you feel at peace with how we land. And you're going to have to get lawyers involved. Obviously, you're going to have to put this in writing, but maybe if you can do this before you proceed with the rest of the divorce, uh, not not a bad idea. And that way lawyers can't get in and complicate things. Just say, we've already agreed on this. Here's the contract, what we drafted. We're moving on. I live in this home. It's no longer part of what we need to discuss as far as this divorce. I don't think it's crazy that you want to keep the house. I really don't. I mean, it's important. Uh, I'm not a, I'm not a divorce expert. I'm not necessarily a parenting expert, although I have two kids. But I think that for kids, and my husband is a child of divorce, you know, having stability is really, really important. Being able to continue to live in the home that they have, if they like it, if you're really happy with your neighborhood and your environment, it's, it's helpful because this is going to be a huge shift for everybody. It's going to require acclimation, adjusting, but to know that you kind of have some things remaining consistent um, is probably not a bad thing. For you, for your kids, if you can afford it, 
fantastic. It's going to continue to help maybe build wealth for you. It's already appreciated quite nicely in the, just the year that, that you've been living in it. I would talk to your husband and I would, as far as numbers go, I, I would start with that down payment. Say, look, we were gifted this down payment from your parents and I, I'd be willing to give you back half of it. Whatever number you settle on with your husband, let's say he wants half of that initial down payment, 25,000. If you do a cash out refi, you could add that 25,000 to the balance of the mortgage. So you're not technically paying for that out of pocket. It's coming out through the form of the new mortgage. You could also take out a home equity line of credit, take out a portion of that $60,000 in equity as a HELOC and pay that to him, but then you're gonna have to pay interest on that uh, to pay it back. And it might be a bigger interest than what you might get on the mortgage interest, um, baking that you know $25,000 or so into the mortgage. It might come with a lower interest rate than what a $25,000 HELOC would. So with, in the absence of cold, hard cash to give to your husband to make this a sweet settlement, um, I think you're going to have to consider either a cash out refi, a home equity line of credit, or some sort of payment plan, right? Where uh, I'm going to pay you X dollars every single month for the next X years so that you reclaim that $25,000. And you never know. He might just say, I'm good. Like, don't need to give me any money. This is for our family it's for the stability of our kids. If we go to sell it down the road, maybe that's where you come up with an agreement. In the event that you sell the home, he will be entitled to a portion of those proceeds. So maybe it's that you create a deal down the road where you say, you know, right now, I'm just gonna refinance the mortgage, take you off the mortgage, put my name on it, start the clock again, a 30-year mortgage. Though you've really just a year has gone by, so that's not too terrible. If and when we sell, will involve you and you'll make you know a portion of the proceeds. Those are the options, I think. Unless I'm missing something, let me know. There are financial advisors that specialize in divorce and they have a certain designation, a certified divorce financial analysts. Oftentimes financial advisors will have this in addition to the CFP designation. You could spend an hour or two talking to somebody with this background to get their professional experience as they're working on these sorts of arrangements all day long. Good luck to you and thank you for your question. All righty, next question is from Kay Kello. This is the handle on Instagram. Couldn't figure out your first name, but thanks for your question. Here she goes. I need some help related to a Roth IRA. I've had one for many years, and despite my dad's frequent recommendations to contribute as much as possible, I have never felt that I had the extra funds to put toward it until recently. Unfortunately, or fortunately, however you look at it, this past year, my husband and I have both advanced our careers and are pushing the income limit for joint filers to contribute. I believe we're going to fall in the phase out range for 2021, but I just don't know how to calculate our modified adjusted gross income. Our salaries have been inconsistent due to salary changes, furlough, uh, potential for back pay and variability in some shifts I've worked. I'd really like to contribute maximally to our Roth, but I don't want to risk over over-contributing given that we lay somewhere in the phase-out zone. It's possible we may have even exceeded the limit. How do I go about figuring out my modified adjusted gross income? Do I have to wait to file my taxes for 2021? And at that point, is it too late to contribute to the 2021 Roth? So your pickle, your financial pickle, my friend, is not unlike many people's, especially those of us who are giggers, we do contract work, or we had multiple jobs over the course of a year, and there's not a clear idea of what we earned so that we can easily know that, yes, we can throw money into the Roth IRA. 
I have a feeling this is why the IRS allows us to contribute to Roth and traditional IRAs up to the tax filing deadline. Uh, Maybe they know that some of us are still figuring out whether we can even qualify to contribute. Really quick, if you're married filing jointly, you have to make it less than $198,000 in 2021 to be able to contribute the maximum, up to the maximum of uh, the Roth IRA contribution, which is $6,000 in 2021, 7,000 if you're 50 or older. Once you start making more than 198,000, and no more than 208,000, then you can still contribute, but a reduced amount. And that's all on the IRS website as far as how much you can based on you know, where you are on that spectrum. Once you make $208,000 or more, it's zero. That's married filing jointly. If you're single head of household, you can contribute to a Roth IRA. If you make less than 125,000, up to the limit, you can contribute. If you make uh, 125,000 or more, but less than 140,000, it's a reduced amount. And then if you make 140,000 or more, it is zero. And there are other examples. I didn't go through all of them. You can go to the IRS website for the rundown. You know, if you're widowed, if you got divorced, like there's different uh, rules that apply to different people. Generally, those are the two buckets, whether you're married filing jointly or you're single, and those are the limits. Good news, you have until April 15th, 2022 to figure out your modified adjusted gross income. And so my recommendation is starting in January, start to get organized and start to prepare your taxes. And I would, in your situation, because you have multiple streams of income, I would work with a tax expert. It could just be someone you know, at H&R Block or TurboTax even. If you file online, they have people at the ready to assist you so that you can be exactly sure not only what can contribute to the Roth IRA, but what some of a, what other tax deductions and tax breaks you could qualify for because of where you land income-wise. There are calculators online as well uh, that can help you identify your modified adjusted gross income, but you're going to have to know not just what you earned, but also the potential deductions. And you may not know that until you really sit down and look through all of your receipts and your expenses and you work with an expert. So the, the calculators are are nice, but maybe not that helpful unless you do know all your numbers. So you don't have to know this right now. I would save some money until you file your taxes, designate that as the Roth IRA money. And then if you find out whether or not you can contribute, you've got the money at the ready. Lastly, before we move on to the next question, I just want to remind you that a couple of Ask Farnooshes ago, we talked about the backdoor Roth IRA which is an option for people who make too much money, who cannot directly contribute to a Roth IRA. You could consider a backdoor Roth, which is essentially opening a traditional IRA, which doesn't have income limits, funding it, and then converting it into a Roth IRA. You'll have to pay taxes on the entire amount transferred in that tax year, but then you can make tax-free withdrawals from that Roth, of course, in retirement. So something else to look into and go back to that episode 1272 to hear us talk about backdoor Roth IRAs. That could be something else to consider. All right, next up is Courtney and she's got a mortgage question. She says, hey, Farnoosh, we borrowed from family and used savings to make a down payment on a new home while we wait for our current home to sell. I know we did this out of order. Well, no, Courtney, I wouldn't be so hard on yourself. That's called a bridge loan. And in this market, sometimes you feel like you got to get a little creative, but I trust that you're going to uh, make your family and your savings whole when you do sell this market. Fortunately, it's a very brisk market and, and selling shouldn't be too hard. When our current home sells, Courtney says, we're gonna net about 300 grand. And so after we pay back our family and we put money back into our savings, we should have about $200,000 left. 
Should we put this towards the new mortgage, pay it down early, or fund some renovation projects that we have in mind? The balance on the new mortgage is about $380,000. Thank you. You know, if you've been listening to this podcast, if you've been reading my work, if you know me, you know I'm not an aggressive person when it comes to paying down a mortgage. I think especially if you're taking out a mortgage today with a roughly 3% or even smaller interest rate, that's a darn cheap loan. And I would argue that mathematically, at least speaking, there are several projects and money moves that you could make that would give a better return. Investing in the stock market, investing in a 529 plan, even you know putting it in savings. Well, of course, savings is not returning anything right now. Um, the security that that's going to give you, uh, the, the liquidity to be cash liquid in times when maybe you're shifting careers or you're starting a business, that's that's invaluable to have that. And, and I know that's not a hard and fast return, you know, cash return, but it is the sort of psychological benefit that is, you can't put a price tag on. I've actually written a lot about this. And more, more recently I wrote about, you know, many money moves that can beat paying off your mortgage early. And sounds like Courtney, you're already doing one of these things, which is you're bulking up your rainy day savings, which is smart. You're taking the proceeds, you're paying yourself back, which is important. You want to make sure that you're whole, that if something happens, you lose your job, you've got savings. And if you are, or your partner is an entrepreneur, I would say about a year's worth of savings, hard and fast savings is critical. Upping your retirement contribution, I would do that before paying down a mortgage. The stock market over the long haul has offered way better returns than paying down a mortgage, especially if you've got one now with a 3% interest rate. The S&P 500 has returned an average 8% annually over the last 30 years. So prioritizing retirement ahead of your mortgage, I think makes a lot more financial sense. I talked about maybe putting that money towards a college savings plan before paying down your mortgage. If you've got children or even little children, who are in private school, now you can use a 529 more broadly to pay for not just college expenses, but also private school. You could put it towards, as you like, a home renovation project. I'm for that, as long as the project is sensible in what it costs and what it's going to add to the value of your home. The experts always say, starting with the kitchen and the bathrooms, even paint uh, throughout the house, outside the house, uh, landscaping can do a lot to up the value, the, uh, the appeal and value of your home. And then, of course, thinking about, you know, as far as projects go, what are the new things that people are looking for as they search for homes? If you're looking to sell this home in in the future, uh, I think in the future, people are definitely going to want more eco-friendly features. So that's appliances, but that's also solar panels, making sure your home is fortified against weather damage. If you want to get a sump pump, if you want to get a French drain, if you want to you know, make sure that you have dehumidifiers in the basement, up, you know, all that stuff can go a very long way in making your home attractive for the next buyer who's thinking more through this prism of, uh, will this home withstand the test of climate change, which you know I'm all about right now and thinking about how to navigate and acclimate to climate change financially and in other ways. There's a long list of things that I would do before paying down a mortgage. Having said that, if you're the type of person that just has this mindset of being anti-debt, and there are people like that because they grew up with this mindset that any debt is bad. 
and they don't want to have a mortgage, they don't want to have a student loan, and they would put all their money towards that before they start to invest, before they start to even bulk up their savings, because to them, that is just unacceptable. It's hard to argue with somebody that has that mindset. And I understand where that can come from, but I'm here to encourage everybody to think more expansively about their finances and how to really stretch in a much in a responsible way their financial capacity and debt can be a tool. You know, your mortgage, a low interest mortgage is a tool to help you build a lifestyle that you want and possibly even build wealth, um but to pay it down early at the expense of not investing in the stock market, of not putting money towards uh, the sort of projects and investments that will bring you joy and happiness and could even appreciate the home. I think that's uh, a very narrow mindset. And I would encourage everybody just to give it a thought, you know, just give it a thought. So Courtney, you came to the right person. I'm, I'm a fan of putting money towards home renovations ahead of a mortgage payoff. But of course, those home renovations need to make financial and fiscal sense. And so good luck. Okay, last but not least, a question here from Abby. She says, hey, Farnoosh, I've been a listener for the last year, getting so much value from your content. Thank you. Well, thank you, Abby, for being in the audience. Her question pertains to none other than real estate. It's the theme today. My husband and I bought our home seven years ago for $125,000. We've done a lot of work and renovations and also real estate values in our area have risen significantly in the last few years. Our home is now worth about half a million dollars. Can you imagine? And we have about $80,000 left on the mortgage. A year after we bought our house, we bought a second property, a hundred acres of forested vacant land outright for 130 grand. That property has now increased in value to $400,000. So now we have about $900,000 in property value and $80,000 in a mortgage. We have no other debts. We feel incredibly lucky to be in this position. What we don't have, however, is retirement savings. We've been struggling to find our feet financially the last few years. And only in this last year have we both landed solid jobs and comfortable income, about 150000 collectively. It's modest, but for our simple lifestyle, it's enough. Side note, we were both headhunted in the last year and having previously listened to your podcast on negotiating, we both ended up securing 20% salary bumps than initially offered. <laughs> I will take that credit. That's, that's awesome news. Okay. So here's, here's where we're getting to the question. Our dream since buying the second 100 acre property has been to build our forever home there. We are finally feeling ready to make that move. We're trying to decide if we should sell our current house to build the new house, mostly with cash or remortgage it to finance the build of our new house and keep our existing house as a rental property. In this area, we could rent it for about 300 bucks a night for 50% of the year. Our budget for the new build is around four to five hundred thousand dollars. So, do you think we should sell or remortgage our rent and rent our current house? The appeal for me to selling is that we could put a lump sum into our retirement accounts. If we remortgage and rent covers the new mortgage, we could afford about three thousand a month into savings. Also, when it comes to retirement savings, we do not want to factor in the worth of our new home as we hope to leave that for our kids. But if we do end up keeping our existing house, we are okay with factoring that into retirement savings. I'd love some insight from you on where we are at with these decisions to keep or sell the existing house and the best way to start playing catch up 
on the retirement savings. I'm 36 and my husband is 40. All right, so naturally I'm gonna answer your question with a couple of my own questions, but my hope here is that this will get some wheels turning for you, Abby. So this is all in all, I mean, this is great news, right? I mean, it's these are good problems. I mean, I don't love that you haven't really put money aside for retirement, but you've made so much money in this other investment path, which is real estate. But one thing that I've always said to folks is, and even to myself, is that equity's nice, but what are you going to do with that equity? I, I, I wrote about this recently too, which is that my parents do this sometimes. They're like, oh, we've built so much equity in our home. It's worth this. They keep checking Zillow. And I'm like, what's the end game here, mom and dad? Like, are you going to sell the house? Because only then is that real money. You know, they tend to dream about this equity, like actually being real money. It's like, it's only going to be real money if you sell the house. You understand that? (laughs) And I I hate to burst their bubble, but it's like, come on, stop uh, fantasizing and stop telling people how much your home is worth, how wealthier you are now because of it. No, you're not. It's not actual money until you go to sell. So I, I say this to you because I do think there is something to be said about selling that first property and getting that money out. And now you, what you have are real options. Now, alternatively, you could do a cash out refi and take that money out and use it to build your new home and then rent out that first initial property. But then do you want to be a landlord? I mean, that's that's a real question that I want to ask you is like, do you want to be a landlord or is this another like theoretical? Like we could theoretically get some cash flow every month, but to think about what that's going to take, the listing, the managing, maybe you're up for it, but maybe you're not. And that's a really important question to answer before you decide whether you're going to keep it or sell it. Do I want to be a landlord? Am I really going to make cash flow positive as consistently as I'm predicting? Cash in your hand is a really exciting thing because it's giving you optionality. You can use that to build a home. You can use that to fund your retirement. There's a lot that you can do with that. Uh, When you leverage, you're not going to, first of all, be able to take out the entire equity. Banks will only give you probably a fraction of that. And so cashing out, selling cashing out might give you actually more money to work with and it's debt-free. And I know that that may end the story of that first home, but you'll make peace with it. This happened to me. I had a studio apartment that I lived in for 10 years in my 20s and into my early 30s. It appreciated. And certainly if if I kept hold of it and I kept renting it out, it would continue to appreciate and maybe have more net worth on paper. But Selling it when I did, I was like able to make peace with it because I was like, okay, I'm going to take this money out. I'm going to reinvest it towards the next home and into my savings and into my investments. And while I don't own this house anymore and the story of this house ends, this apartment, you know, I'm going to kiss it goodbye. It it served me well holding on to something just for the hope that it's going to continue to appreciate when you've got other things that you want to do, I feel like that's a little bit of a, there's a psychology going on there that it needs to get worked out, needs to get unpacked Uh, because you got to move on. Your life has to move on. You got other priorities here. You have to fund your investments. And I I do think I'm leaning more towards selling here. You know, as I'm, I'm hearing myself talk and maybe this is also where you're already landing, but you want someone else to nudge you. Selling will give you options. You'll have that money in your hands. The house is gone, but now you've got the the money and now you're going to reinvest it. 
You know, you're going to reinvest it in your portfolio, your retirement. You need that. Um, as you mentioned, you're not looking to cash out on this uh, forever home to, to fund your retirement. You want to pass that on to the next generation. So you need to secure a separate investment for yourself in retirement. It's a great time to sell. You know, you're going to be able to sell pretty quickly. I love that you bought land. That's exciting. I think that's uh, something that I'm looking at now is like, maybe we should buy land as I've been interviewing people on this podcast that have been uh, telling me to do that for years now. Land is has always been scarce. It's always been a limited resource. And now with climate change, uh, it's going to become an even more precious resource. So thinking about, you know, where to invest next, I'm thinking land and now you've got land. So that's great. I, I, that's inspiring to me. So I think just deducting what you've told me is I would lean towards, um, selling, but if you really want to be a landlord, if you're really into the idea of Airbnb being that property out, I mean, that could be a passion project, but also a profitable project. So you got to think about that very critically. But I do think selling, I mean, there's nothing like cash in your hand, some real financial power. And that's our show. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for your questions, Abby and Courtney, Kay Kello, and our first time divorcee. I really appreciate you coming to me with these thoughtful questions. You're all at crossroads. And I hope that uh, your next move will bring you not just wealth, but a lot of happiness. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Happy early Thanksgiving. Next week, we're going to be playing the best of So Money, some of my favorite interviews from recent months. I hope you'll tune in for that. Really, I hope you have a fantastic, warm, hearty Thanksgiving, and we'll see you back here on Monday. I hope your weekend is So Money. So Money.